This is Cole. And this is Ron. We are the creative team. Asking the tough questions like, Hey Cole. Yeah, Ron? What if Hulkamania never ran wild? Hey, Ron. Yes, Cole? What if Rick wasn't ravishing? That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Cole, I got an idea. I can see that. Hey, Ron, I got an idea. I love it. My sister, Candace Murray. Look, up in the sky, it's the creative team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. To another exciting episode of The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how are you today? Ahoy, Colsif. It's been a wonderful uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, it was a nice break. Uh, anything interesting happened in the world of wrestling? I can't really put my finger on anything. Uh, big news in the world. Uh, Ronald on his morning uh, walk this morning got got recognized did you not sir oh yes it's been it's been my lifelong dream to be recognized for a series of jokes i tell on a hill instead of wrestling uh, <laughs> or the podcast <laughs> yes my little anecdotes on the hill got me over first in life it was cute i was uh i was sitting atop of the hill diddling on my phone and a nice little couple in their 20s walk by and just out of the blue say Ah, the dad joke guy. And I don't know if that was a tribute or just like, ah, that guy. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it means they're getting a kick out of it. <laughs> yes, I'll take it. And uh, he yeah. was explaining to his girlfriend or whoever he was with that uh, you know, the joke I showed you was his post. So for the people that aren't familiar with what we're speaking on, uh, if you are not following uh, Mr. Ron on the social medias, uh, you should because it's a great follow. If you like, you know, seeing those people that are on their weight loss journeys posting their updates uh and you like dad jokes this is just this is great for you this is the melding because ronald uh you cap off all of your workouts and your hikes with a post of you going hey i did it my fat ass walked up this goddamn hill my ever shrinking fat ass and uh here's a dad joke to uh cap off the the accomplishments so it's great. Well, thank you. My my goal is for the viewers to hate the dad joke more than praise my progress. <laughs> I want my progress to be completely forgotten about, and I just want to have it be overshadowed by your hatred of the joke. Because the best dad jokes don't make you laugh. They make you go, damn it. Uh, well, another fantastic thing that happened uh, in the world that's important is that uh, today is the kickoff of NFL season. Uh Part of the reason we do the fantasy drafts in the podcast is my long-term love of fantasy football and fantasy sports in general. Uh, So I have football on in the background. Uh, The volume is down, so you guys don't have to worry about it. But I will be keeping track of my fantasy football teams. And uh, much to Ron's chagrin, I may give you guys updates on how that's going. Sports! (laughs) Uh, I participated. You did. It was great. It was funny. You were here. We, we, we were hanging out yesterday with my sister, Candice LeRae, and her husband, Johnny Gargano. And uh, we started into a sports conversation. And Ron, just out of nowhere, is like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. That was my exact predictions. <laughs> oh, it was so good. But, uh, well, maybe something happened in the wrestling world the last couple weeks. What? What? I don't know. There was a pay-per-view, I think, of some sort. 
Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was told that uh, they went all out. Uh, they definitely did go all out. AEW, uh, in the last, what, three weeks, has added not only CM Punk, which all of all of the fans were aware of, um, they, at their all-out pay-per-view, uh, added a wonderful, fantastic female wrestler, Ruby Soho, who most recently was Ruby Riot in the WWE. And then the main event happened, and Adam Cole has jumped shipped, and uh, which is great because we had this little Wednesday Night War for about a year, and we're only a year away from that, and one of the major players from a or from NXT is now joining All Elite Wrestling. And to counter that, we got the return of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Um, so in a three-week span, AEW has added basically three of the top five professional wrestlers in the world right now, currently, to their roster. And it's setting up for a real war. Um, I noticed that on Wednesday, they tied SmackDown's ratings and Raw's ratings in the key demo that we've heard so much about for the last few years. So it looks like AEW is really tapping into the younger wrestling fan audience. Um, do you think, Ronald, that this changes the landscape of wrestling and gives AEW a shot? Absolutely. I was, I was saying, like, if it were me... I would just completely fire the gun. Yeah, the gun's loaded. Let just just completely unload everything. I would bring in Cole and Brian. I thought it was gonna be one or the other, but like, I would for sure debut Brian at the at the pay per view to get people to watch Dynamite. But not only did they over deliver my dream scenario, they like knocked it out of the park. Uh, I I literally it was it was the first time in a while where I just had no complaints. Even the stuff that I would nitpick, I just completely was like I ignored. I was like that's fine. They can have that, but <laughs> it just didn't bother me at all. And I even touched on this last night, uh, yesterday when we hung out. I, I tried to order this on Bleacher Report. Hi, Bleacher Report. Your app doesn't work on any of my devices, just so you know. But I switched to the Fight app, and I got it I got it up and running. And I've been trying to get a refund on Bleacher Report. But after the pay-per-view, I was like, I don't care. This was worth paying for it twice. I'm not going to work that hard to get in a refund for one of these purchases because I would gladly have paid a hundred bucks for this pay-per-view i was such a freaking fan watching it and uh i haven't felt that way watching a pay-per-view in quite some time well i mean re realistically top to bottom um there wasn't much to complain about on this pay-per-view i mean i'm not a huge fan of you know the the young bucks and what they've been doing but i thought as far as a cage match goes other than some of the silly shit where they just decided they were going to stop wrestling and all stand in the ring and super kick each other. But, like, other than that, like, the Lucha Brothers bleeding everywhere was great. I thought the the Bucks did a good job of getting believable heat on this. And I think that's about as well as you can pull off a, a basically a four-way cage match with, you know, no tags and all that awesome stuff. But, um, I mean, I thought Jericho and MJF delivered a great story. I mean, top to bottom, this pay-per-view was incredible. And then to cap it off with just a bunch of crazy, crazy debuts. And uh, I, I really was happy that Ruby Soho got such a great reaction in that Battle Royal, which, let's be honest, the, their Battle Royal gimmick has just been a gaping hole in every pay-per-view so far. 
but I think the women delivered this time, and, and mostly it was because of the brilliantly timed surprise uh, to bring Ruby Soho into Chicago, where she really made a name for herself. So, yeah, again, no complaints. I loved this pay-per-view. I'm really excited for what's going on. I'm getting ready after we get off here to catch up on, on AEW from the week on my DVR machine. Yeah, you really should, because the follow-up on Dynamite was also really good. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest concern, realistically, when it comes down to whether AEW is going to turn out to be real competition for the main roster WWE, as opposed to just NXT, is that they just have not found their direction yet. And a lot of times, they'll, I mean, week to week, they've got guys turning babyface and heel, and girls turning babyface and heel, and it's just like, you know, you got to tell a story that tracks, that's got a, a direction. And I think if they could figure that out, they really have an opportunity to become the number one wrestling company in the world. So that remains to be seen. And I don't, they haven't done much to give me faith that they will be able to figure that out. But they have the best roster in wrestling right now. I don't think anyone can really argue that SmackDown or Raw or NXT is as good as what AEW has. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think we're definitely seeing the seeds being planted for this direction that we're hoping for. It, it's I think you know it's been a it's been a year or two of just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, and I think finally is something something is sticking now. And I think going forward, now that we have such credible people ab aboard the roster, I think storytelling is gonna shape up to be a lot better. I think uh, match placement and you know logic and psychology is going to take a huge step forward here and yeah i i'm i'm really excited for the future so many dream matches and you know one thing i gotta say about the fans is that like they're already like thinking of the next debut i was like well slow down look at the roster now yeah. there's so many chess pieces and so many moves you can play now let's play like the next four years out first yeah, that, that, that was my big concern where I, if I was the guy with that pencil and I was the one writing, I'm fine with debuting a woman wrestler and a, a, you know, a male competitor on the same day. Um, but me, I think I would have tried to slow down the, you know, debut, 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 because to debut three top guys, really, in three weeks is just, it, it's kind of like when they brought in uh, you know, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Benoit and, and Perry Saturn and Dean Malenko all at the same time, it's hard to slot in four guys at the same time. And then we had the same issue when the invasion angle happened. It's really hard to, to slot in 10 or 12 new guys because we got a lot of ECW and WCW guys all at the same time. And I, I mean, it worked out for them in the long run because they had a bunch of injuries happen at the same time. Uh, you know, Rock, Austin, Undertaker all were kind of out at the same time, and that opened things up. Um, but I am a little concerned that trying to find something for three guys, three top guys at the same time, not only is it difficult to slot them in, but somebody is going to have to give up some TV time to make, make space for it. So it's not necessarily exciting for your current roster to have an influx of talent. So... That will be interesting to see, too. I, I'm really wondering if there's going to be the reverse where some guys are going to go from AEW to WWE. 
Well, you so. never know, but uh, you know, if AEW's got any has got anything cornered, it's definitely they definitely have a lot of room for content, and I really think they should they should stop the debuts now, work with what they have now because they have two shows to keep interesting. They have all the YouTube shows to keep interesting, and they got more than enough talent to fill those slots and keep the big big stars and surprises on uh, on Rampage and Dynamite. Yeah, that that's really what what it's all about. So, I mean, the the possibilities are kind of endless at this point. I mean, fortunately, in this moment, there's really only one other big name out there, and Bray Wyatt or whatever he's going to go as. Um, and it's the one prediction I would say is that since they've decided to start having dissension in the ranks of the Dark Order because they absolutely refuse to give up on that piece of shit. Um, the only thing uh, that could save it would be, uh, you know, an old friend uh, in Bray Wyatt joining and being the leader of the Dark Order. It would finally get over. It was just starting to get over, I think, when um, we unfortunately lost the guy. And I'm rambling on because I cannot think of his name right now. Brody Lee. Early. Yeah. We lost Brody Lee, unfortunately, right when the Dark Order was starting to get over. Um, so if his old friend and uh, brother Wyatt were to step in and take over, I think that would be a fun, fun thing. It could be a fitting tribute. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that, I think let's cool it on the debuts for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just so much going on, and I can't wait. I can't wait for the future. But hey, that's just that's just you know speaking to how great this was because this pay per view made us break format and talk about current stuff for a while. Uh, absolutely and uh yeah so we're gonna transition from managing our time to talking about the top 10 managers of all time oh yes cole this is one of my favorite things to do it's our top 10s and i love discussing top 10s because because we always pick the best subjects and always have either like-minded or very far away in comparison <laughs> top 10s and it's always it always makes for a good conversation but i think you know we're on the same page as far as managers go and i think we're gonna have a doozy of a list today oh god damn it see i never know i never know you set that up i don't know if you're being serious or 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 what this is gonna go sideways real quickly sideways but uh... <laughs> we're talking about managers and managers aren't really a thing anymore like they're starting to come back but like i i was just talking yesterday that you know the real manager is really from like 80s early 90s that was like the peak when managers were really a thing and so i i'm i'm hopeful that this will be a list um where we match up a lot but uh you know you always find little nuggets to surprise me with so i'm uh i'm i'm jumping into this uh fully excited to see what you have. Well, you should manage your expectations. All right. So number 10. In the greatest managers of all time list. My number 10. I went a little bit. Let's say surprise here. Um, mostly because uh, I thought that this package was one of the great packages of the last 20 or so years in professional wrestling. Um, they, they, they didn't do this a lot. Um but I, for me, I think just the entrance, realistically, is what made this happen. But I, I thought that this person did a great job running interference and being involved and cutting the promos for the group 
uh, and really was a centerpiece of this of this faction. Um, I'm going with Melina as my number ten manager of all time. I chopped the shit out of her at training one time. Nice. Right, right, right before she <laughs> went on to to toughen up too and didn't get in. So yes. Uh, yeah, no, I like Melina. I like the whole Eminem package too. Uh, every time I think of that uh, faction, uh, I think of poor Joey Mercury's face splitting open. Oh, getting destroyed! Oh yes, like immediately you could just see blood pouring all over the ring. Yeah, he yeah. looked like he looked like a Venus flytrap. Just like his face was just just split oh. open. It was disgusting. Go out of your way to watch that. I don't know what year or what pay per view that was, but I know it was a crazy ladder match. And uh, right now, she's doing a great job with NWA and TNA, or Impact, as it is now today. Oh, God. Still talking about 20 years ago. It's hard to get all these name changes in order. But uh, she's doing a great job. Her promos are fantastic. She's a wonderful heel. I really like Melina. And um, I I hope that she gets remembered when it's all said and done, if nothing else, for just being one of the most attractive and just flexible. And just she was great. The, the splits on the apron is just fantastic, but that whole package, the slow motion entrance, her her work, her promos as a heel, I just love it. So, yeah, Melina made my list. Nice. I, I'm not mad at it at all. One of the top valets of the Ruthless Aggression era. And we're going to go to the, one of the top managers in the Extreme era and get your whistles out, Daddy, because I'm talking about Bill Alfonso. This guy annoyed the shit out of me. And he was managing someone that you're supposed to uh, consider to be like the coolest guy ever, RVD. But he just comes out, he's doing the RVD stuff, you got Pantera in the background, but you just got this hoppity, whistle-blowing, annoying manager screaming, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And it's Bill Alfonso, a former referee of the WWF. And yeah, I think he was fitting to at least get a mention on this list, so I put him right at the number 10 spot. No, that's very strong. He was definitely in the running in my list. I I really liked, I mean, you want to talk about the most obnoxious heel manager maybe ever. I mean, that dude, not only was he just blowing the whistle nonstop, which is just excruciatingly annoying, um, his voice and his accent and just everything about him just wanted to see him get the shit kicked out of him. And it led to some really, really great moments in ECW with, with, Francine and like just I mean absolutely great uh very strong start to your list Ronald I love Bill Alfonso mention that's right yeah give me your number nine daddy give me your number nine what's your number nine Cole come on give me the number nine daddy <laughs> uh, so now <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna go to the opposite now uh from from over the top obnoxious I'm going to uh pick someone that's a little more understated um because he didn't need to be as boisterous and loud uh, since he was representing representing the Road Warriors. I'm going with Paul Ellering as my number nine manager of all time. I love it. He's the guy with the Authors of Pain, right? <laughs> yes, he was the guy with the Authors of Pain as well. <laughs> cool. Yeah, he had a sweet debut. Uh, no, I, I know Paul Ellering. That, that, that's, a, that's a solid choice, too. I'm surprised he's so high on the list because like, I would have thought... Uh, Road Warriors and any contributions they made would be a little more like I, w- I would have considered Paul Ellering to be like towards the middle of your list. But uh, that makes me excited about what's to come. Um, oh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a strong list here. There's there's a lot of really great managers. And I even went back 
before the 80s to find some managers for this list. So Ooh, excited. I'm sure I'll know all of them. Um, <laughs> my number nine. Now, we're going to keep the greatness going, and there is no better suited person to bring up right now. And I don't care because this is back in my childhood, and I'm going to throw my hands in the air and wave them like I just don't care. We're talking about Oscar, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes. Whoop, there it is. Right there at number nine. Oscar. He's the on in Men on a Mission. Who, who did he manage, Cole? Men on the Mission. It was, it was uh, Mo, Oscar, and... Mabel! Perfect. So, yes, that's my number nine. Mr. Oscar from Men on a Mission fame. Throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Oh, another list where we get to bring up Mabel! Yes. So. I mean, you deny his greatness every day. Oh man. Oh, I you know, I didn't hate I didn't hate Mabel. I just, you know. <laughs> He's a king. <laughs> took, tri- oh. took took Trish Stratus out on a date. Yeah, that might be his greatest achievement in professional wrestling right there. Fucked the Matt date. Hardy right in the middle of a Royal Rumble. <laughs> All right. All right, see, I'm on the fence about where you're going with this because Bill Alfonso was a good poll. <laughs> I don't know that many people would consider Oscar for their top ten list. <laughs> he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. That is true. I will give you that. <laughs> but, oh, okay, so number eight. So now I realize I'm going to have to give a little bit of a bio on this one because it's uh, going all the way back to the 70s. But this guy was the kind of the impetus. He was the first real heel manager that went out, and he was the pioneer of interfering in matches. Um, he was, you know, one of the first guys that had just an over-the-top personality and silly gimmick. And basically, his name and his gimmick was to make fun of the KKK. So I got to give the Grand Wizard a little bit of love here. Um but he managed uh, Mr. Fuji and Pat Tanaka to two championships. Uh, he was the manager for Stan Stasiak, who ended an almost three-year title reign uh, from Pedro Morales. Uh, he was the manager of Billy Graham when he ended Bruno Sammartino's title reign. He managed Pat Patterson, the first Intercontinental Champion, and then managed to turn Pat Patterson babyface when he went with his opponent, and uh, they did a double switch in the match. And uh, so he was the first triple crown manager. He managed the intercontinental champion, tag team champions, and two world champions. Um, and unfortunately the grand wizard died in uh, 1983 um, at the age of 57. So he just missed the cut of being part of Hulkamania and all of that. Um, he was a real big part. WWF was the ones they, they had the, the triple crown, you know, the triple threat, of just evil shit heel managers, and uh, the Grand Wizard was one of them, and so I thought he deserved to be on this list because he really was the one who pioneered um, what became the typical heel manager in the '80s. So, Grand Wizard is my number eight, and that's great. Yeah, uh, Grand Wizard. I've only seen images of him and only read and heard about his accolades, much like how you were describing it. So, yeah, I mean. For someone that, uh, for someone whose fandom that was born in the in the, the early '90s, probably not on my radar, but uh, definitely worth a mention, and I'm glad you did so. 
and all those accomplishments will pale in comparison to this person's accomplishments because he may have been a triple crown manager but this guy chopped off a porn star's dick oh my god yamaguchi-san the father of kai and tai short-lived manager took val venus beat the crap out of him chopped his dick off what a moment what a moment cole any thoughts on yamaguchi-san I choppy choppy your pee pee is where we're at in this list right now. Number eight. <laughs> I choppy choppy your pee pee. <laughs> I mean, Valvinus fucked his wife. <laughs> that is true. Valvinus did fuck his wife. <laughs> Which led to Takamishinoku's heel turn. My sister! <laughs> I love that you started off with one that wasn't awful, like Bill Alfonso. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe Ron did a real list today. But then, I'm sorry, is this a fake list? <laughs> I mean, I'm reading words on a on a notepad. <clears throat> it is certainly a list that you wrote. <laughs> choppy, choppy, your pee pee. <laughs> Don't use the word fake on a wrestling podcast. Come on, you're better than that. <laughs> oh, okay, your list is a work. Okay, we'll go with that. My list works. All right, so my number seven. I picked another one of that triple threat of terror back from the 70s. Now, this one was cool. I did a little, I, you know, I had to do a little research because we're all familiar with this guy. You're not going to, you're going to know this one, okay? This isn't me pulling something out of my ass. Um, but Captain Lou Albano started wrestling in the fifties and he was just, the, the problem was he was a smaller guy in a world where, uh, you know, the giants ruled the roost and, um, he, the, a really cool story was he just, he was small in stature and he had such a baby face that he just couldn't be anything but a baby face. So he had, he had a match where he just split his face open, like brutally. And he refused to go to the doctors so that he could leave his face deformed so that he could become a heel. <laughs> like this dude wanted to be a heel so bad that he just let this scar heal up on its own, didn't get stitched up so that he had this massive scar on his face so he could be a heel. And, you know, he struggled. He was an opening guy, a little bit of enhancement talent, but he drew money because he was such a good talker and everything. And finally, the great Bruno San Martino went to Vince Sr. and said, hey, man, you got to make this, this Captain Lou guy a manager because he could talk better than anybody. And uh, once he made him a heel, Bruno was able to draw a shit ton of money with a lot of heels that were led by Captain Lou. Um, and uh, Captain Lou was the one that ended Bruno San Martino's first legendary eight-year, almost, almost eight-year title run. And uh, he managed Ivan Koloff, which was fantastic. Um, but Captain Lou was famous for being the tag team specialist manager. He led 13, 13 different tag teams to be the world champions. Uh, some of those teams included the Valiant Brothers, the Wild Samoans, the Moondogs. And then he had a babyface run when he turned babyface 
and he managed the U.S. Express, Wyndham and Rotunda, and the British Bulldogs. But of course, we all famously know Captain Lou from all the Cindy Lauper stuff, and of course, the Super Mario Brothers television show, the kids' show from when we were kids. And so, uh, I think he belongs on this list. It was a great list. Lou, Captain Lou is one of the biggest personalities in the history of wrestling, and uh, he really uh, was a pioneer in managing in professional wrestling in the 70s, so... There we go. Captain Lou is my number seven. Love me some Captain Lou. I love the Super Mario Brothers show, and I love his, I love when he managed the Head Shrinkers. Um, yes. Yes. I, I, I never got to see any of his work in the ring, but all of his work is based on him as a manager, and sure, absolutely belongs on this list. And boy, my number seven. And boy, you know, you talk about my last one, Choppy Choppy the Pee Pee, uh, she shavy shavy the ball sack. I'm talking about Judy Bagwell. Oh, God damn it. Oh, <laughs> yes. I took a poll of what should be my number seven. And lo and behold, it was someone that's famous for being on a poll. And I'm going to go with someone who shaves a bag very well. And oh, that is God Judy shaves a bag well. Oh, my God. She's the mother of the stuff. She handled this buff stuff very well. <laughs> what, guys? You don't have your mom shave your ball sack? <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh. Hey, guys, why don't we put my mom on a pole? <laughs> I mean, you know, everyone else carried Buff Bagwell. Might as well bring in the person that carried him first. Oh, fuck. Judy Bagwell. Somebody did. And we got Buff. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh god damn it oh a woman who's most famous for shaving her son's nutsack and being a prop in a, in a fucking match makes the list okay <laughs> well from buff bagwell's mom um we're gonna move over to the four horsemen one of the all-time great factions the faction that started the craze in wrestling uh and their manager was James J. Dillon. And uh, he really, you know, it's great listening to all these stories. I'm glad that a couple of the horsemen, you know, have podcasts and are out there and are talking in the in the purview. Uh, so we get some of these great stories about James J. Dillon was, much like Paul Ellering, really one of the guys who actually managed the wrestlers outside of the ring. You know, he was one of the guys that made sure that the horsemen stopped drinking at some point so they could make it to the next show. Um, and, uh, James J. Dillon was really a centerpiece. He felt like an equal in the group. Um, but another guy who was, who was a really good worker before, you know, he made the switch over to being a manager, but again, you know, much like, <clears throat> much like a captain Lou was kind of a middle undercard talent, uh, but his speaking ability and just his stature made him Perfect fit for the horseman, and uh, uh, we all know how that turned out. So I'm going J.J. Dillon as my number six. I love it. How do you not talk about J.J. Dillon when you're talking about managers? Like he, like he would, he felt like 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 a legit manager. He wasn't a pro wrestling manager by any means. He was like a legit businessman that handled the business of the four horsemen. And you know, you know, going back to Judy Bagwell, how how is how is shaving someone's balls not managing your client? I mean, come on, <laughs> that's really keeping things in place, if you ask me. Um, oh God damn it! But from one pioneer woman to another one, my number six 
boy, it was a short run and it is a missed one. Because in it in an attempt to get one of the best athletes in the world, Shelton Benjamin over. Oh god damn it. They brought in his mama, and we're going with Mama Benjamin. Complete with that big mama's house outfit and that wheelchair. That wasn't a part of the gimmick yet, but this lady was a little too old and fat, and eventually they just gave her the wheelchair prop, because apparently that ramp is too long. Uh, <laughs> so, so <laughs> you're going with the nut shaver, and the lady that was too fat to walk to the ring, so they gave her a wheelchair gimmick to speed things up. <laughs> Two mothers. That's how I'm looking at it. Two mothers that produced high-quality talent that never got a real shot. Oh, because mothers are the best managers of all time. So, yeah, I'm with, I'll, I'll follow you on that logic, sure. Sure, <laughs> yes. And, you know, it was it was a weird time because it was this, uh, this whole gimmick that they portrayed was just drenched in stereotypes. Like, poor Shelton was, like, at the mercy of his mother just barking orders at him. And, like, she would threaten to whoop his ass in front of everybody. It was hilarious. Uh, not... Much good came out of it for for old Shelty, but uh, boy, it created a lot of moments and a lot of laughs, and uh, definitely belongs somewhere in the middle of this list. <sighs> definitely belongs on a list somewhere. God damn it, Shelton Benjamin's mom. Hey, all baby. Right. <laughs> oh, all right. So I'm gonna go with probably the inspiration for Bill Alfonso. In uh, one of those moves where a manager has a prop so he can be extra obnoxious. Oh, my God. I'm going to go with the megaphone and uh, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, uh, who was a great manager going all the way back to the 70s as well. And, uh, you know, he wrote a lot of the great entrance themes that we came to love, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And uh, But Jimmy Hart was just absolutely fantastic. He was one of those guys in the 80s where you'd throw all these big giant heels together that maybe necessarily couldn't talk so great, but uh, Jimmy Hart made them main eventers. Um, and they battled with the likes of Hogan and all that. And uh, But the megaphone just being the extra obnoxious heel so you can amplify your sound. His high-pitched, just squealy voice, um, much in the vein of a Bill Alfonso. But uh, I believe he was the originator, so I'm going with Jimmy Hart mouth of the south as my number five manager of all of the time that's perfect i love jimmy hart and i don't think he gets talked about enough as far as like the greatest manager of all time because he certainly managed everybody i felt like every time i went back and watched a coliseum home video he was constantly out there i was yep. like he managed literally everybody and 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 for good reason because if the match had no heat he was certainly going to get it and uh what a transition, because we're going to go from the mouth of the South to a lady I, did, I like to put my mouth on her South, and I am going to go with one of the top managers in the Attitude Era. And I'm talking about Mrs. Cleavage managing her baby boy, Harry Beaver Cleavage. Oh, we're talking about penises and ball shaving. So basically, if someone had something to do with a, a sexual pun, and they were talking about junk, uh, they're making your list today. Am I, am I correct? <laughs> I mean, this is the first person that actually has a name referring to junk and, you know, <sighs> parts. 
The others just kind of handled them. Yes, Mrs. Cleavage with her son, Beaver Cleavage. <laughs> Harry Beaver Cleavage. <laughs> Number five. <sighs> oh, speaking of cleavage. <laughs> yes, finally. This is... <laughs> This is where my list gets a little controversial um, because my number four is Paul Heyman. <laughs> he's, got a, he's getting a little plump here, but I went with woman, a woman over Paul Heyman in my list. So I don't think there's any argument that Paul Heyman is the best manager of this century. Um, I, nobody has come close to what he's been able to do. Um, the advocate idea is fantastic. I love him saying I'm the advocate for and not just being a manager. Um, I think it works. But, I mean, look at look at his track record. Everything he accomplished with all the way back to the Dangerous Alliance where he had one of the greatest collections of talent that's ever been assembled. Um Unfortunately, that group didn't get to live out its uh, to its full potential. Um, but uh, you look at Brock Lesnar, you look at what he, what he's done for Roman's career right now, and uh, I think over the last year, um, Roman has has proved all the naysayers wrong, myself included, that he is a tremendously talented individual, and Paul Heyman is a big part of that. Um, so yeah, Paul Heyman, my number four. Yeah, absolutely. Paul Heyman, you know, de definitely deserves to be higher up on a list like this. But uh, I certainly know where you're going and, and, you know, every argument stands, you know, against it, too. But yeah, right now, Paul Heyman is the best manager on the planet. Uh, and not only is he managing talent, but he's basically at the helm of their storytelling. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure everything is filtered through Heyman when it comes to Roman's angles right now. And you can definitely see it. Um, his acting ability is, is fantastic. I can't say enough good things about Heyman. Nor but can I... Is, I just would like to make one point before I let you do whatever bullshit you're about to say. Uh, this is one of the real the lists that really I think that AEW is doing a great job of bringing back managers. And at some point... This may be the list that changes the most over the next 20, 30 years. You know, if, we're, if, if we review this list 20 years from now, there's a very strong chance that some of these AEW cats like uh, 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 Don Calais may change the game. Or, you know, maybe at some point Jake Roberts gets to actually start talking and doing stuff. Or maybe an Arn Anderson or Tully Blanchard. These guys could become really great managers at some point. Taz, I think, is doing a fantastic job. So this is a list that really could change a lot in the next 20 years. So I, I'm excited to see um, this revitalization of managers in the wrestling business. So That's a very good I'm point. It's a very good yeah. point. But I, I think after my list, I don't think anyone has a sh chance in hell. You know, I'm bringing awareness to the list of all lists. And before I was so really interrupted for your bullshit, <laughs> I'm going with my number four. And my number four is Spawned in Tribute, Spawned in Glory, and Spawned in the best television time you'll ever get. And I'm talking about, oh, Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness. If you were alive then, or you were watching Nitro, The Monday Night Wars, 
you would know that the character Oklahoma is the best thing to ever be on a screen because they took poor JR and they took this douchebag Ed Ferrara and they dressed him up as JR and he overimposed JR's face and just started repeating the names of whoever he's managing the same way Jim Ross would repeat Stone Cold every time he won a match. And it's one of the best things you'll ever see on TV. Manage the greats, even manage Dr. Death, who went on to be the best thing ever, as we all know. Uh, but yes, firmly placed on my number four, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say this uh, in, in maybe a shocking manner. I'm, I'm really not mad at this making, making the discussion today. Uh, because it is definitely one of the biggest heat spots that's ever happened. I mean, just flat out, just making fun of Jim Ross. Like, how, like, it was brutal to watch because it was not very nice. It was not kind at all to Jim Ross. They made, they just made, I mean, this was an over-the-top parody of Jim Ross, but, I mean, it was a dick move. This was, like, full-on, like, nuclear heat. And the kind of thing that that won't make you turn the TV off, but you're just going to get pissed. Like, you're going to be pissed at this guy. So I'm not as mad at it as you think I might be. <laughs> and it just goes to show how, how much uh, everyone loves Jim Ross because you just oh, don't yeah. say anything bad about the guy. I, I, I will say, though, I think it, it's just another one of the gigantic missteps that uh, happened in WCW. While it's definitely something that would get attention, like, it's like who's gonna make what WWF is not ever gonna make fun of Tony Schiavone, right? Like they're not gonna like you're shitting on the one guy that's like this beloved character by everybody. Even like the WCW fans that were there for a long time loved and appreciated Jim Ross because he's so good at his job. Like, I don't, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Just goes to say, when you're number two, you constantly bring up the competition. If you're number one, you never bring up the competition. That brings us to the final three of my list. Uh, this one is, again, this just comes down to personal preference for me. Um, uh, I think that this individual is absolutely one of the most incredible performers in the history of professional wrestling, period. Um, from the promos to the bumps to just everything in the ring, that the, it was heat like none, none other when people are literally cheering Hulk Hogan for punching a woman in the face, you know that this woman is doing a damn good job at her a damn good job at being an asshole. And uh, so for me, my number three manager of all time is the sensational queen, Sherry Martell. I, th I just, I, we've talked about her a lot. Every time I get a chance to put her on a list, I put her on the list because I really think she's right up there with like the Jerry Lawlers and Terry Funks of the world who could do everything and were just great at their job. And no matter what role you put her in, it made the match better. It made the show better. The fans got into it. They wanted to see her get punched in the face by a six foot six, 300 pound man. That's how pissed off she made people. So uh, I cannot say enough good things about sensational Sherry. Um, so yeah, number three on my list. I'm a huge fan of Sensational Sherry. She was such a good manager, and she like played her role very well. Like she she was Nuclear Heat just for how she played the role, uh, and she she was another one of those that just kind of like managed everybody too. Like you go from Shawn Michaels to Harlem Heat, 
Uh, it's Randy uh, Savage. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and certainly kept good company. But my number three, and I'm gonna really prepare this because I didn't really this didn't really dawn on me until as I put this on my list. I was like, he's got to go here because my next two are un inarguable. But if it wasn't for this guy, dare I say, I don't think there would be an AEW. Because this is this is the guy that is responsible for the skyrocketing, rocket-strapping success that the face of AEW, the first face of AEW, had. And without this guy, this guy wouldn't have taken over the late 90s and went on to bigger and better things. And that guy that went on to bigger and better things is none other than Chris Jericho. And I am talking about... A truck driver turned manager, Ralphus. Oh my goodness. If it wasn't for Ralphus skyrocketing Jericho to superstardom, we would never get the Chris Jericho we would, would have gotten. We would have never gotten the Chris Jericho to go to New Japan and wrestle Kenny Omega. And we would never have gotten AEW today, nor all the great moments we're sharing and talking about on our show today. Ralphus, number three. Manager of all time, Ralphus. You know, the thing is, every point you just made is totally reasonable. <laughs> I, I really do think that Ralphus did play a part in getting Chris Jericho over to the band. I really, <laughs> the, it, it definitely helped his comedy chops. And uh, let the world know that Chris Jericho could be an entertaining summon a bitch. Um, so while I think it's ridiculous <laughs> that Ralphus is being talked about today. Number three. I cannot argue any point that you just made. And Chris Jericho's significance to AEW even existing. So whatever. Fuck it. Ralphus is number three. <laughs> Final list. You heard it here, folks. Oh, oh, God damn it, Ronald Ralphus. It was hilarious, though. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was entertaining as shit. Like, I can't I can't hate on Ralphus that much. <laughs> Nobody can. Everything I laid out is fact. Oh. If it wasn't for Ralphus, Chris Jericho would be still hugging the fans oh. on the way out to the ring saying, come on, baby. <laughs> we, would never oh. got the, we would never got the top knot. No countdown, no Y2J. Ralphus. I mean, I mean, that stuff probably would have happened. <laughs> no. First undisputed champion, beat The Rock and Stone Cold same night. Ralph. I mean, if Ralphus had been a part of any of Jericho's success, then maybe, you know, it wouldn't be so silly that he's on the list. But I can't deny that uh, he started Ralphus it. did play a part. In Chris Jericho becoming a big superstar, I, I gotta, I, I gotta admit that's a fact. I can't, can't deny it. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Miyagi, Daniel Larusso. <laughs> Ralphus, Chris Jericho. <laughs> he did not just compare Ralphus to Mr. Miyagi. <laughs>
Miyagi. <laughs> Fucking Ron. Oh, God, dude. I think that leads perfectly into my number two. Uh, my number two manager. How do you follow Ralphus? <laughs> oh, God damn. <laughs> Motherfucker. Oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, this will be this will be another uh, corny crow segment. Oh, oh God damn it! But yes, my number two manager of all time, and I don't think even himself, Jim Cornette, would be too mad that I'm putting him number two. Um. Oh, but I'm so glad that Conrad and Tony Schiavone's podcast didn't work the way they originally set out to do it, and so now. They are Mystery Science 3000 uh, watching the NWA. And every single week, we get to listen to these just incredible, amazing promos by Jim Cornette. And it's really, really easy to see why he belongs in anyone's top three. I mean, I don't think there's any debate that he belongs in the top three of anyone's list of managers of all time. But uh, you talk about getting heat. You talk about just the gift of gab and being able to talk. Jim, Cor there's no one better than Jim Cornette. Um, you know, I, I I think really really when we're talking about about Heyman and Corny and my number one, uh, it's it. It's those three that are up there. But I I you know Sherry cracks it with me too. Like those four. If you go any of those four in any of your top four, I think you're there. But uh, Jim Cornette still to this day getting more heat than anyone else in the wrestling business. So I don't think there's any denying that he belongs on this list. So my number two, James E. Cornette. That's fantastic. And it's so funny because that is the voice I probably hear the most of in my life because he's got two podcasts that run very long. And it, that's like appointment, you know, podcast experience for me, like. Uh, every Tuesday and Saturday, I'm constantly refreshing the feed and just waiting for those shows to come on. Love me some Jim oh, Cornette. Oh, especially after something something big or something silly or something ridiculous happens in current wrestling. Like, I just, I, just, I can't wait to see what he's going to say. I, yeah. It's fantastic. It, it, he's got that full-on um, uh, uh, private parts. What's that guy's name? Why can't I think of people's name? He's got the Howard Stern heat where people just want to listen even though they don't like him because they just need to see what the hell he's going to say because it's the most entertaining thing in, in wrestling is Jim Cornette's take on current wrestling. It's so fantastic. But, I mean, you go back to his body of work. You go watch his WWF promos, watch him managing Yokozuna. You go back to, to the Midnight Express. Like, Jim Cornette is just everything that is professional wrestling, everything it should be. And if we had more Jim Cornettes in the world, I don't think we'd be talking about 2 million viewers a week. We'd probably be talking about closer to 20. But, oh, that's just my opinion. I love me some Jim Cornette. And, you know, doing process of elimination, I know what your number one is. And I'm pretty yes. sure it's my number two. Because my number two, you know, I, ha I had to, I, you know, you, you say this isn't serious. But, you know, I, I had to at least mention where I think you're going for number one and my number two. And I'm talking about the legendary fantastic great dink now in the 90s doink the clown took over the world tossing whoopee cushions <laughs> around throwing pies and faces and none of that act would be complete without the inclusion 
of the great Dink. Dink would come out, shake hands, give pies to fans, pop balloons, bite asses, and manage one of the greatest characters in the 90s in wrestling, Doink the Clown. And I'm going, Dink. Now, let's go home early, because I know that's your number one, Cole. <laughs> well, sorry to say Dink did not make my, my list. He's not my number one. But uh, I do have a Dink story. So, back in the good old days, before, you know, digital pay-per-view and everything that we have today, <clears throat> uh, maybe just about everyone in my family owned a black box, because that used to be a thing. So you could get the pay-per-view channels on the black box. And uh, our, ours stopped working, so there was a, a stretch of time there where my grandfather, who was not a wrestling fan at all, um, recorded all the wrestling pay-per-views for us. So for us, it was waiting until Monday when my dad got home from work to watch the pay-per-views uh, in, the, in the early and mid-90s. And uh, so my grandfather, being just one of the most wonderful humans ever, would go down and, and occupy his television for three hours to record wrestling pay-per-views for us. And he'd go in and, you know, make sure it started recording on time and check it. And he'd check in every now and then just to make sure it was recording, see if it was over. And so he only recognized a couple people and he saw them all the time. And these are the people that he remembered still, even to this day, even now that he's, um, you know, having some memory issues in his later stages in life. But he remembered Yoko Tuna, as he called him, <laughs> and the clowns. He remembered Dink and <laughs> Doink. And that was the every time he laugh at our face. <laughs> like, you guys watch this shit with Dink the clown. <laughs> And Yoko Tuna. <laughs> and, uh, so it is a little soft spot in my heart, and I'm not mad at it that we're talking about Dink the Clown. Oh. And as adorable oh. as that story is, it is, and it is adorable, it just goes to show my number two, unforgettable. Correct. Number two, Dink. Number two, Dink the Clown. Right up there belongs in the conversation with Jim Cornette. I'm sure he's so happy that before we talked about Jim Cornette, we talked about Ralphus. And right after Jim Cornette, we talked about Dink the freaking clown. Oh, he'll be so proud of us today. <laughs> oh, fucking Dink the clown. All right. So where where I know you know the actual answer to my number one, <laughs> but thank you for that setup and that wonderful that wonderful uh, introduction to Dink the clown there. But um, anybody that, that was a wrestling fan in the 80s or even early 90s knows this guy. I, he is maybe the most talented person in the history of professional wrestling. Because his matches were incredible. Um, and everyone got to see a few of those matches with the weasel suit. He was one of the best commentators that ever lived. Um, he was great with Vince. He was great with uh, Gorilla Monsoon. He was even great in WCW when he wasn't drunk and checked out. Uh, but he was the best manager that ever lived. He got more heat than anybody. I think he was just as big a part of drawing the 93,000 people to the Silver Dome as Hogan and Andre. Um, I don't think there's really any debate 
to be had that Bobby the Brain Heenan is the greatest manager of all time, and he may very well be the greatest performer of all time. There are not a lot of guys who were just as successful as he was in the ring, uh, you know, standing in, a, in the corner, doing commentary, uh, hosting a show, whatever it was. Bobby Heenan knocked it out of the park, and it was uh, can't-miss television every single time his face was on the screen. And uh, the only other guys I can either, even put in that echelon are Jerry Lawler and Jim Cornette. I mean, it's just a three-man race for guys who were just great at all of the things. So my number one manager of all time, Bobby the Brain Heenan. That's fantastic. One of my favorite Bobby the Brain Heenan things ever. And it's not even a moment that's regarded. It's just, it's just something that I saw. It was short, and it's something that I found so hilarious. It was when he was wearing the neck brace. And it's uh, it was that show. Uh, I think it was Saturday night, uh, and it starts with uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan in, in like you know a, a news talk show room, and the way it's introduced is like, "Hello, fans! I'm I'm Gorilla Monsoon." And but when Bobby goes to introduce himself, all he just says, "And I'm hurt." <laughs> oh, oh God, I love that guy. So good. Yeah, one of the best. And then there was one, the number one. And boy, Cole, when we decided that we were, we were going to talk about the top 10 managers of all time, I got so excited because I felt like the last like about four weeks of our program, this has been one giant buildup to talk about the man and put this man on a pedestal where he firmly belongs. When we first name dropped this person, I made it my mission to sprinkle him in Anywhere I see fit, because we talked about the great moments of SummerSlam, and he was firmly one of the best parts of SummerSlam in 1995. He main evented WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. And he is the man that we're firmly placing at number one, no matter what the final list is. And I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Harvey Whippleman. Oh. So, <clears throat> I'm just scanning through the last four weeks of this podcast leading up to this. Bertha Faye. Oh, God. Yeah. Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, Giant Gonzalez. Sid Justice. Yep, Sid, whatever his last name is at the time. Everybody else. <laughs> oh, Harvey Whippleman. Whippleman. <laughs> um, you know <clears throat> try to shit on this Cole I'm not going to because well that's our show ladies and gentlemen Harvey Whippleman <laughs> number one <laughs> there was there was serious consideration uh, for me to putting Harvey Whippleman on my list um so I'm not mad at it that he's he made the list at all. I'm really not. I will say that, um, you know, he was slated more like a number 10 spot for me. Uh, I was him or, or Melina. <laughs> but, you know, he must have had a larger impact on your wrestling fandom than he did mine, I guess. No, no, no. He had a large impact on the industry, even to this day. <laughs> Oh, man. 
Oh, Harvey Whippleman, number no, one. Number one. Downtown Bruno. He may have been slanted as your number 10, but, you know, I, too, share the same numbers. It's just the zeros first. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay. So that's that's our individual list. Now we need to compile. Oh, did you have a, a list? An official. Yes. Yes, I had a list. Rob. We need to come up with an official top 10 for the show. Um, but before we do that, is there anyone you think that we missed along the way? Oh, did we? Uh, I'm going to go with my honorable mentions. And boy, uh, I'm going to go with Johnny Polo. I think he was someone else at one point. Um, we're going to go with Rico, who for we've quoted recently. Uh, and uh, Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> and we're going to go we're going to go from Rico to Tennessee Lee. Uh, and then we're going to go from Tennessee Lee to Sonny Ono, the most ineffective manager in the history of ever. He can laugh. He can point. He's Sonny Ono. And then, oh boy, get your research pants on for this one. Because when that classic tag team, Deuce and Domino, debuted, they had that roller skate beauty, Cherry. And boy, she was right there at number 10. But Bill Alfonso just kind of snuck one in on her. Oh boy. Okay. So do you have any um, any uh, serious submissions that uh, that we may have missed? <laughs> oh, we're doing top ten submissions. <laughs> no, no, no. We we did we did the finishers list last week, but uh, well, I guess for me, um, one that I'm a little surprised didn't make anybody's list uh, would be Sunny. You know, the actual Sunny. Um, I, I she was uh, uh, definitely a pioneer in the divas movement in general um you know she kind of took up the mantle for sensational sherry i thought she did a great job getting heat uh she kind of became one of the stars of the show and i know for a fact that sunny was the most downloaded person as the internet was just taking hold at that moment um and i you know remember searching for those nude photos as well myself so there is that <laughs> yep, she definitely took up a mantle, some couches, a few beds, a floor. <laughs> I will say uh Mr. Fuji um is a little bit of a surprise for me uh that he didn't make the list. He was definitely in that running for number 10, but you know, I just had to get Melina in because I I don't know. I just I like her more than most people, I guess. But uh yeah, I'm pretty sure Mr. Fuji is going to be salty about that. <laughs> and then Slick, of course, Slick the guy that managed the, uh, you know, the African Dream and and the Big Boss Man and uh, Kamala and some other things, but um, yeah, outside of that, I think we're we're just about there. I got to be in the ring with Slick. I got to threaten his life after a match against the Human Tornado, and then Gangrel for some reason came out and beat me up. Nice. That's that's a good one. I, I you're right. I forgot about Slick. That uh, you had a little little show run in with him. So yeah, there you go, Slick. I mean, you, we. I guess we could say Virgil is kind of a manager. That, that would that would maybe. <laughs> yeah, someone else I got to be in the ring with. He throws punches very hard. <laughs> uh yes, and then that's that's that made me think of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, managers have always just were a great part of professional wrestling for you mm. basically thirty years, and uh, they they kind of had disappeared. Um, but they're making a big comeback. I love that AEW is putting so much emphasis 
on on managers and groups and factions. Um, and I'm really excited that, you know, maybe 20 years from now, we do have a completely different list. But uh, as for today, um, are there any honorable mentions you'd like to cram in there? Maybe, oh, you know, we can replace Paul Ellering and, and Melina or whatever from my list. Um, Just the 10 spectaculars that are on my list, we can fill in if you want to remove some of your guys. But if we're well, gonna I, if I, we're gonna talk about Virgil, I mean we cannot talk about the million dollar man who eventually became a manager. Yes, he did, and and you know he had the million dollar corporation, and then he went on to be somewhat of a manager in the NWO. So and how I mean, and how can Ron not bring up Paul Bearer? Oh yes. Oh yeah, that is shocking that that didn't happen. I, I figured you you'd at least. Uh, even though you were making a bit of a joke list that uh, you would throw Paul Bear in there just to throw me off. <laughs> Cole, let me explain something to you. Because Paul Bear didn't make my list, it's because my list was so serious that even Paul Bear didn't have room to be on it. Uh, okay, well, so for Ron, I'd like to suggest that maybe we do throw Paul Bearer on, on the list um, because I think it was a huge part of The Undertaker being successful for the first you know, part of, of his run, and uh, he's so synonymous with The Undertaker. Um, and then I really feel like he was a huge part of making The Undertaker more of a human, uh, where he could be a bigger wrestler um, when he went with Kane and, and Mankind and all that. So I would just, I would like to suggest that for the sake of Ron, the official list has Paul Bear on it. What say ye? You know what? I think that's fine. I think he definitely earned it. God damn it. I'm so glad I set that up for you. <laughs> All right. So number 10 on the official show list, Paul Bearer. Um, I, 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 would, I will give you either Harvey Whippleman or Bill Alfonso from your list if you'd like them to make the official top 10 list. Even after the Ralphus argument? Yes. I, 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 can't, I, I, I just can't quite scratch anyone off to make room for Ralphus. The wrestling world owes this man a thanks. Ah, well, we talked about him. I think that's thanks enough. <laughs> I mean, you know, if it's a toss-up between Harvey and Bill Alfonso, then I'm going to go with the obvious one, the one that actually has credibility and actually has a great track record, and that is Mr. Whippleman. All right. So number nine, Harvey Whippleman. Bertha Fay. Bertha Yes, he did manage champions, and he did manage a main event at WrestleMania. So I can't argue too much with his place in the wrestling business. Nobody can. Oh. So then we'll just go with my eight through eight through one for the rest of the list. <laughs> and just just to clarify, we did match with uh, Judy Bagwell, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're right on the same page, but I think she's going to be too busy. Uh, handling buff stuff to make our final top ten list. So, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave her off. Took a lot of balls to make this list. Oh. Uh... Okay, so the official top ten list. You know, I think it's sacrilege that you're leaving her off. God damn it! Oh, are you done? <laughs> I don't know. I think my jokes are shaping the day. 
Oh, it's definitely leaving us with a smooth finish. Yes. Oh. All right. All right. So number 10, the official top 10 list of the creative team. Number 10 manager of all time, Paul Bearer. Number 9, R.V. Whippleman. Number 8, The Grand Wizard. Number 7, Captain Lou Albano. Number 6, James J. Dillon. Number 5, Jimmy Hart. Number 4, Paul Heyman. Number 3, Sensational Queen Sherry Martell. Number two, James E. Cornette. And of course, number one, the greatest manager of all time, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh, I sure had a lot of fun today, Ronald. Uh, how did how did you like our conversation today? I thought it was fantastic. I still think that there's uh, an avenue to put Judy Bagwell in there. Did, did she make the list or not? I was, I was kind of tuning out there. Uh, we, we'll just slate Judy Bagwell as number 11. You know, she's, she just missed the cut. She's not on the list? Uh, she is definitely on a list somewhere. But not on this one. Yeah, not on our official one, no. That's nuts. <laughs> he just had to get one more in, didn't you? <laughs> Come on, Cole. The, the, this this is the outro. The ball's in your court. <laughs> Are you just going to wait? Until I get started on the outro for you to just throw another zinger at me. <laughs> no, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we had a lot of fun. As always, top tens are one of our favorite things to do. And uh, I appreciate Ron throwing some, let's say, out-of-the-box uh, ones that most people wouldn't think of off the top of their head. So we get to discuss a lot of wrestling history and... Uh, come up with a great top 10 list uh ron is always there to uh remind me of certain people that i never would have thought about and uh i just love these conversations i hope you guys enjoy it as well uh you can check us out we drop a new episode every wednesday on time no arguments about it ron makes sure even if he has to give up sleep to edit for four hours right before work in the morning that the episode is going to drop and it's going to drop on time. So for my host, Ron Kilborn and myself, Cole Dawson, thank you for listening and join us next Wednesday for another exciting episode of the creative team. We love you and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly on Instagram or Twitter at Ron for Your Life. Number four, we'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.